Welcome to Kevin Connor's podcast. This 24-part series on interpreting the book of Revelation was given at Tungling Bible College in Singapore back in 2002. Be sure to get a copy of the textbook by the same title, available from Amazon in your region in paperback and ebook formats, or as an immediate PDF download from the shop at kevinconnor.org. Okay, let's uh, uh, read a few verses from Revelation chapter 20, and we'll just take through uh, verses 1 through to 6. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand, and he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up. Shut him up, Lord, sooner the better. And set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years which should be fulfilled. And after that he must be loose a little season. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until a thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection. On such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. All right, now what I want to do here is I'd like you to take down uh, just a general order of events. And, uh, you know, uh, I may not have this exactly right. I don't think anybody does. And as I said, uh, introducing uh, our first session here, the new, when Jesus comes the second time, his coming will arrange in chronological order what may be unchronological to us. So this may not be exact chronological order, so please allow me that. But it's a general order that uh, I feel reasonably safe with. So with all the prophecies, now... <coughs> Revelation chapter 19 simply brings us to the actual second coming. Then what John does... He, he introduces to us now the thousand years spoken of as the millennium. That's the picture. So th th this is just, uh, I think, simple. Revelation chapter 19 is the second coming. Basically, everybody believes that. Revelation chapter 20, dealing with the millennium. That's a great area of controversy. Then Revelation chapter 21 and 22 bring us to the new heavens, new earth, new Jerusalem. So, so leave the chapters alone. Chapter 19, the second coming. Chapter 20, a thousand years, whatever it is. Revelation 21, 22 brings us to eternal states, new heavens, new earth, new Jerusalem. That's just uh, leaving the book as it is without confusing it. Now, John doesn't bring in all the details, what Paul does or what Jesus talks about. None of those things are brought in between Revelation 19 and 70. We're just told Jesus comes, some things uh, happen there, and then we're ushered into a thousand years where saints live and reign with Christ, then the new heavens and new earth. So what I'd like to do is say, have you made, if you've got this already, done something like this. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 
9, 10. I want to give you uh, what I've grouped together, 10 major events that happen at the second coming of the Lord. Now, there's lots of intricate details and everything like that that could be filled in, and I'm not going to do that, but at least 10 major events that uh, basically we should feel pretty safe on. All right, so number one, I'm not going to put it on the, on the uh, I'll put it on the overhead at the end, but just because we want to do it just uh, one at a time here. Number one, when Jesus comes the second time, first of all, we have uh, the battle of Armageddon. That's, that's very safe there. I mean, it won't be safe, but... Uh, <laughs> I mean, the... Uh, the, uh, the uh, you know, the exposition of that. So, the Battle of Armageddon. And uh, put down Revelation 19, we've just looked at that, because in Revelation 16, we see how these un uh, unclean spirits, these three spirits like frogs, they go together to the kings of the earth and to gather the armies of earth to, to the battle of the great day of God Almighty, which is the Battle of Armageddon. So, Sa uh, not Sa Revelation 19, verse 11 to 21. Revelation 19, 11 to 21, and with that, bring uh, Revelation 16 and verses 13 through to 16. So Revelation 16, uh, verses 13 to 16. The unclean spirits uh, go forth to the kings of the whole earth and uh, for the battle, to gather them to the battle, the great day of God Almighty. And he gathered them together into a place in the Hebrew tongue called Armageddon. So battle of Armageddon. So, so the Battle of Armageddon, briefly, is Christ and his armies gathered to destroy Antichrist and his armies. It's the day of vengeance. So just briefly, the Battle of Armageddon. And we have to remember, though it's flesh and blood on earth here, Jesus is not going to have the saints or the angels, you know, have a fisty cup with everybody. He slays them with the word of his mouth. He just speaks the word, and the, and the wicked are destroyed. So the Battle of Armageddon, number one. Uh, and, and of course included that Christ and his armies, Antichrist and his armies, that's what it is. It's a, like a heaven against earth and the saints and the angels in the army. Number two, the second thing that happens at the, uh, the second coming, and it's also in Revelation chapter 19, but I'll say it first and then give you a couple of scriptures we'll look at. Number two is the Antichrist, or the beast as he's referred to, Antichrist is paralyzed. The word uh, Old King James says destroyed, but the Antichrist is paralyzed by the brightness of Christ's coming. So I want you to go over, and we're going to look at these a little bit. So, so, so what I'm saying here, we have to pull together some of these unchronological things or these events that are woven through the Gospels, the Pauline epistles particularly. Paul is the next master one next to John on eschatology. So these have got to happen because we've just got Christ coming, introduced to a thousand, uh, thousand years. Well, what about all these other events? That's what we're looking at. Turn over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And uh, the first and second Thessalonians are the, the uh, Paul's eschatology. Everybody uh, who follows the secret rapture and some of those things base it on uh, Paul's eschatology or misinterpretation of it. So 2 Thessalonians and chapter 2. Uh, let's go to um, uh, verse... Um, uh, let's go to verse 1 then. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 1. Now brethren, concerning uh, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by... Uh, and by I, I'm sorry. 
Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. Let me say something here. Two events here at one occasion. I beseech you, brethren, number one, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Word coming there, it's actually referring to the second coming of Christ. Uh, there were not two comings, as I used to teach, one coming. And so I beseech you, brethren, we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is his coming here. We haven't got any secret coming back here. Seven years, as we've already seen. 57 sevens in Revelation, seven years, nowhere to be found. So if people want seven years tribulation, help yourself. But it's not found in the book of Revelation. So I beseech you by the coming. So we're dealing with the coming. And by our gathering together unto him, what we refer to as the rapture. So Christ is coming, and we are gathering together unto Him. Unto Him shall the gathering of the people be. So two, uh, two, two things here in one coming. So the coming of our Lord, and our gathering together unto Him. That you be not soon shaken or shook up with all the novels that are coming out today. <laughs> Neither by spirit, supposedly, supposedly the Holy Spirit, nor by word, as some teaching is going on today, nor by letter, supposedly is coming from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, and I believe there's so much really deceptive teaching going on about the coming of the Lord today. So let no man deceive you by any means, for that day, what day? The day of Christ, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and our gathering together unto him, under him, the revelation and the rapture, one and the same time, that day will not come except there come a secret rapture where the church is raptured out like a thief in the night. You'll find that in the perverted version. <laughs> the reverse version doesn't say it though. It says that day will not come except there come an apostasy, Greek word, a falling away, apostasia first. And the man of sin be revealed, the son of addition, Paul's definition of the Antichrist. Revelation 19 does not come until chapter 13 is happened. Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped so that he is God, sits in the temple of God, a rebuilt temple, or does Paul say to the church, you are the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember you not that when I was with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is withholding or restraining that he might be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of iniquity or lawlessness is already at work, only he who now restrains, and personally I believe the restraining one is the Holy Spirit, uh, will do so until he's taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed... Whom the Lord, now here's it, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy, the words destroy, is paralyzed him with the brightness of his coming. So when Jesus comes the second time, Revelation 9, he puts it this way, he takes the beast and the false prophet. Paul puts it this way, he paralyzes him with the brightness of his parousia, coming, another Greek word for coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, deceivableness, and so forth. And we've seen that in Revelation 13, where the Antichrist, the false prophet, deceived the world. Alright, so event number two, Battle of Armageddon, number two, Christ.
our Antichrist is paralyzed by the brightness of Christ's coming. Alright, number three, event number three that takes place at Christ's coming is Antichrist and the false prophet together are cast alive, listen carefully here, Antichrist and false prophet together are cast alive into the lake of fire and brimstone. Revelation 19 verse 20 And the beast and the false prophet, the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and then that worshipped his image, these both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. Now this is very, very interesting here. There's nobody in Gehenna or the lake of fire yet. The first two to be cast alive into the lake of fire uh, and like Christ and the false prophet. They do not, and God is making an exception here, they do not appear at the great white throne judgment. They are so wicked and so demon possessed and devil possessed, God doesn't even, their case is settled. And see, this is in contrast to God took two men from the Old Testament alive to heaven without dying. Enoch and Elijah, now he cast two men into the lake of fire, alive, without judgment, without dying. So they are the first two, nobody else is in the lake of fire until Revelation 20, the last part, the great white throne judgment. So, so evil are these men. God says, the case is certain, there's nothing, we're not even having a court case for these guys. They are so wicked, they are so deceived the whole world to take the mark of the beast and worship, uh, devil worship. How many of you know what we said yesterday? So, Antichrist, number three, Antichrist and false prophet are cast alive into a lake of fire. Number four, the fourth event that happens at the second coming. Everybody with me? Are you coming along with me? Ask your question. Okay, number four, Moses and Elijah are raised from the dead and ascend to heaven. Moses and Elijah are raised from the dead and ascend to heaven. Your scripture for that, and I'm taking this a little bit more slowly, uh, Revelation chapter 11, <laughs> Revelation 11 and verse 11 and 12, which we alluded to, but now we're bringing it together. The beast overcomes the two witnesses who we believe are Moses and Elijah, and we're told, and after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered into them, and they stood upon their feet. So resurrection. And great fear fell upon them that saw them. And I heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up here. And they ascended. So resurrection and ascension. And they ascended up to heaven in the cloud, and their enemies beheld them. Just as Jesus ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and the disciples beheld him, so it's a similar picture here. So, the two witnesses are raised from the dead and ascend to heaven. And, uh, and that will be televised the world over. So you can imagine the fear as it says here. And great fear fell upon them which saw them. These two guys have been dead three and a half days in the streets of Jerusalem. Now they've suddenly been resurrected and they've gone into space. <laughs> Terrifying. Terrifying. Okay, so that happens three and a half days, three and a half years, a day for a year, uh, they ministered just like Jesus ministered three and a half years. Alright, so that's Revelation 11 
uh, verse 11 and 12. Number five, the next event that happens at the coming of Christ, though John says nothing about it, because Paul has dealt with all this, but you've got to bring it in somewhere. Okay? Number five is the resurrection of the dead in Christ. And as I understand it, the resurrection of the dead in Christ will take place simultaneously with the resurrection of the two witnesses. So, how do we prove that? Resurrection of the dead in Christ. Let's go over to 1 Thessalonians. First Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul's eschatology. See, 1 Thessalonians deals with the coming of Christ. 2 Thessalonians deals with the coming of Antichrist. Alright, so 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And for your notes, because these next two points are sort of interrelated. So number 5, resurrection of the dead in Christ. And uh, add to that just uh, another uh, couple of words. So resurrection of the dead in Christ at the last trump. Okay, resurrection of the dead in Christ at the last trump. Okay, listen to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And for your notes you can put verses 15 through to, uh, to 18. So 1 Thessalonians 4, 15 to 18. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or precede them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. So when does the Lord descend from heaven? Second coming, Revelation 19. The Lord himself descends from heaven with a shout. So all these events you can put under this, the Lord himself is descending. Where does the Lord descend from heaven? Revelation 19. So he comes with a shout. Number one, or letter A. Letter B, he comes with the voice of the archangel. Letter B, I believe that this archangel is Michael, because Michael is always associated with the resurrection of the body. It was Michael who contended with the devil over the body, not the spirit of soul, but over the body of Moses. So Michael, the voice of the archangel, which archangel? Gabriel is always involved in revelation. He appeared to Daniel for the 70 weeks and, and uh, uh, Zacharias and Mary. But Gabriel and Michael is always associated with warfare with Satan. And we've seen in Revelation 12 and resurrection. So now the Lord himself should descend from heaven with a shout. Letter A. Letter B with the voice of the archangel. Letter C with the trump of God. And we'll come back to another scripture in a moment. With the trump of God, let us see. And what happens? The dead in Christ. Not the dead, outside of Christ. We read in Revelation 20, the rest of the dead lived not again till a thousand years were fulfilled. So in other words, this brings us to the first resurrection. That's what we're reading. Revelation 20, the resurrection of the dead in Christ. And they, and then they lived and reigned with Christ. Those that overcome uh, the, the mark of the beast and so forth. They lived and reigned. Lived involves resurrection. They reigned with Christ a thousand years. So now Paul's words have to fit in somewhere here. So, Lord himself shall descend with a shout, let alone with the voice of an archangel, let it be, and with the trumpet of God, let us see. And what happens? The dead in Christ will rise first. Now, let's go over to 1 Corinthians 15. We'll come back to this Thessalonians so you can hold that. Is this, is this helping you? Yes. To sort of give you some sequence of events without pressing things too far. Uh, turn over to 1 Corinthians 15. 
And to tell you the truth, I've never quite done it this way before. So I'm always <laughs> teaching myself. Uh, turn over to 1 Corinthians 15. And add a little bit more of Paul's jigsaw puzzle here. So 1 Corinthians 15. And pick up in uh, verse 50. Verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. More than that, the Messiah, we're talking about the millennial kingdom, flesh and blood, which is always referring to corruption, cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. So how are you going to have flesh and blood corruptible in that kingdom? Behold, I show you a mystery. I know I've written in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it's appointed unto man once to die and after death the judgment. But I'm going to show you a mystery, that which is only known to the initiator. We will not all die. We will not all sleep. We will not all die. Even though it's appointed unto man once to die, we're not all going to die. But we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the final test. Now, at the last trump. Oh, okay. Now, all he said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is, the trump shall sound. But we don't know which trump. But here he adds one word, at the last trump. Now, as we've been going through Revelation this week, we had Revelation 1.10, I heard the voice of a trumpet. We had Revelation chapter 4, 1 and 2, the same trumpet voice. We had Revelation chapter 8, seven trumpets. We come to Revelation 11.19, and the seventh angel sounded, the seventh trumpet sounded, and the word said, time for the dead to be judged. Seven trumpet, last trumpet. So those of you looking for a rapture trumpet, do you have the last trumpet? Because the last trumpet is the rapture trumpet. That's the picture. Okay? So in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. So the dead in Christ will rise first, but they will be raised incorruptible. You have to put Thessalonians and, and Corinthians together for Paul. And we should be changed. For this corruptible must put an incorruption, referring to the dead. And this mortal, which means mortal means death doomed. All of us are mortal here this morning. We're death doomed. Unless, and this mortal put, uh, must put on uh, immortality. So there's two companies of people here. The dead in Christ, corruptible put on incorruption, and the living, we which alive remain, this mortal puts on immorta immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on Im immortality, then shall be brought to pass the same. I know we read this at funerals, it's only by, uh, by faith and anticipation, because it's not true. It will be true here. When? Then shall be brought to pass the same thing. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting of grave? Where is your victory? You didn't get me. I saw the uptaker, not the undertaker. Sting of death is sin, the strength of sting of sin is the Lord. Well, we could spend a lot of hours on that. Can we see that? So, event number five, resurrection of the dead in Christ at the last trump. Thessalonians and 1 Corinthians. All right, number six now, which is closely related to the, these scriptures. We which are alive and remain will meet the Lord in the air. So, resurrection of the dead in Christ, then uh, event number six. We which are alive and remain 
will be translated to meet the Lord in the air. In other words, the rapture. Now, we ask the question, in the light of what we've been doing on the three and a half years, who is alive and remaining to the coming of the Lord? We know one company, at least, the woman of Revelation 12. She's miraculously preserved through that three and a half years. They're alive and remain. Most of the saints, by the sound of it, have been killed. And the world is given over to devil worship. So you have to ask the question, well, who's going to be alive and remain at the coming of the Lord? Well, whoever that company is, and we believe it refers to the church, there's going to be some Christians alive for the coming of the Lord. Is that right? Yes. And what happens to them? They experience the changeover from mortality to immortality. They experience what Enoch and Elijah experienced in the Old Testament. See, the dead in Christ rise first. They experience what Moses did, resurrection. The, uh, the alive and remaining people, they experience what Enoch did, changed over to immortality. That's the picture. So when Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, he's talking to two different companies of people. I am the resurrection to the dead. I am the life to the living. See, two different companies. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, like Lazarus, he'll live again. But he that lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? There's going to be a company in the end of the age that will believe and experience it. That's it. Alright, so number six, the alive who remain will be caught up. Now, let's go back uh, to, so from the, the, the first Corinthians uh, 15, uh, the, the, the corruptible puts on incorruption, that's for the dead. The mortal puts on immortality. We will not all die, we'll not all sleep, but we all shall be changed in a moment at the last trump. So when does this change take at the last trump? Now let's go back to First Thessalonians again and finish the uh, rest of the verses uh, that I didn't. All right, so First Thessalonians chapter four. All right, let's continue reading. We'll pick up where we read, uh, read before, but continue reading now. So, uh, verse 15, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or precede them that sleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, let her aid, be with the voice of the archangel, let us sing with the trump of God. What trump? The last trump, Paul says. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. That's resurrection. Then, we which are alive and remain. So who are the alive and remaining company when Jesus comes? We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. This is rapture. When? At the second coming. At the first resurrection. Not seven years before. Otherwise you have two first resurrections. If you have seven years tribulation. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So somewhere in this, when Jesus is coming, heaven is opened, and it's coming for the battle of Armageddon and everything like this, somewhere, the dead in Christ rise first, the alive and remain are caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we be ever with Him. Wherefore, comfort one another these words. Now, let's, uh, uh, I, we don't have the type of time to do a study in Greek words. There are five Greek words for coming, and when you read them in their context, there's only one coming of Christ, not two. 
So what happens here is, number one, we have the revelation of Christ. Revelation, and I'm using the Greek word on this one here, the apocalypse, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the apocalypse. So Jesus is being revealed from heaven. Apocalypse, apocalypsis, revelation. Then number two, in connection with the revelation, the coming of Christ, uh, many times translated coming, the revealing, the revelation, the apocalypse, the coming of the Lord, we have resurrection. The dead in Christ, the three R's, this is the resurrection, the first resurrection. Uh, Revelation chapter 20, the dead in Christ. We which are alive, uh, and the corruption puts on incorruption, resurrection. And then number three, the third R we have is rapture. And rapture is not a Bible word, it is a Bible truth. And uh, so I do believe in the rapture, but just not a sneaky one. I see the revelation and the rapture take place at one and the same time. Now, I don't want to spend too much time on this because we've already done it. The uh, ultra-dispensational school has seven years tribulation and they have the rapture, a secret rapture here, and they have the revelation of Christ here. So they say, well, there's one coming of Christ here and then there's the other coming of Christ here. This is the rapture and the secret coming of Christ. But you see, you can't have rapture without resurrection. So to have a rapture and a resurrection here, how can you have another resurrection and rapture here? Plus, as we've already said, eight references are three and a half years and never one to seven. And because the secret rapture theory is built on seven years tribulation, and nobody can find it in the book of Revelation, it ruptures the, it ruptures the rapture, the secret one, not the goodie. So what I'm saying is, we have three and a half years, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of the dead in Christ, and the rapture of the living all take place at one and the same, word, uh, same, same period of time, in this period of time. And when you go through the five different Greek words, apocalypsis, parousia, and so for Urkemai and everything like that, all refer to one and the same second coming. There's only one coming of Christ. So that's uh, what some of the... Uh, People need to sort out on that. All right, so number five, resurrection of the dead in Christ uh, at the last trump. Uh, number six, we which alive remain a change, translated to meet the Lord in the air or the rapture. And so the woman in the wilderness is preserved, uh, meets the Lord there. All right, number seven. Uh, keep moving here. Number seven, all the wicked are destroyed by the brightness of his coming. Think of the world that has uh, taken the mark of the beast now. All the wicked, all those who have taken the mark of the beast, are destroyed by the brightness of his coming. Two scriptures I want to give you on this. Revolutionary. Ah, handle on. So, revolu uh, revolution. Revelation. <laughs> uh, revelation is a revolution. Isn't it? Okay. Revelation uh, uh, 19. And uh, what does it say? Um... Yes, pick up in uh, verse 19 again. We've just had verse 17 and 18 where the flesh, the flesh, the flesh, the flesh, 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 five times uh, to the supper of God. And verse 9, I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken with him, the false prophet, the broad miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and then the worship his name 
these both were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. And shows that they're still there because in Revelation chapter 20, um, it says in verse uh, 20 and verse 10, uh, just slip to that. And the devil that deceived them was cast in the lake of uh, fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are. So they've been there right through the thousand years and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. So Satan himself is not cast in the lake of fire, yet he's cast, according to Revelation 20, into the bottomless pit. But the beast and the false prophet thrown in the lake of fire. All right, back to Revelation 19. And the. Um, yeah, and. Yes, that's right. Now, verse 21. And the remnant, the rest of the people, were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the powers were filled with the flesh. And so the rest of the wicked are killed. All the wicked are destroyed at his coming. Turn over to this very important scripture uh, that Paul wrote. It has to be fulfilled somewhere, particularly it points to the coming again. So we're looking at events that happen at the second coming. Before the exact establishment of the kingdom, there's this short season where these events happen. So 2 Thessalonians and chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Uh, pick up in verse uh, 7. I'm reading from old authorized and new authorized pretty much the same. And, and the language, you know, we so surf the net, we so surface read the word. I mean, I've done it for years, you surface, surface read and say, wow, I missed that, I, yet I've read it for 2,000 years. No, it's been there for 2,000 years. I've read it for a few years. Verse 7. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven. So he's revealed from heaven, Revelation 19. Where else can you put it? You can't put it back there anywhere else. He's revealed from heaven here. With, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. So though John says nothing about it in chapter 19, when Jesus comes, armies with him, angels come with him. Very clear. So with his mighty angels, how is he coming? In flaming fire. So he's not coming as a little babe of Bethlehem now. He's coming as king of kings and lord of lords. He's not coming riding on a little donkey into Jerusalem. Peace. Coming on a white horse. So he comes in flaming fire. Taking vengeance. There was no vengeance in his heart in the first three and a half years. There's no vengeance in the first coming. There is now taking vengeance. And now on who? To letter A, letter B. On them that know not God. Now who does that exclude? See, when you read these scriptures properly, it's going to be very difficult to take whole unsaved nations into the millennium to give them a second chance to hear the gospel. I say, find it in the Bible. On them that know not God. And see, that's why we dealt very heavy yesterday on the condition of the world at this time. The world has taken the mark of the beast. The devil world's into devil worship. They're blaspheming against God. So who's he going to take into the millennial kingdom? Give him a second chance? Because they didn't get a first chance here? Taking vengeance on letter A, them that know not God, and letter B, them that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So who's obeying the gospel in this period of time. 
And let me be facetious. We'll read it from the reverse version. Who shall be brought into the millennial kingdom to get a second chance to go to Jerusalem to keep the Feast of Tabernacles? Doesn't say that. Who will be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power? When? When He shall come to be glorified in His saints, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive remain shall be caught up together, and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony. That's a solemn scripture. It takes place at the second coming. Alright, so all the wicked shall be destroyed at the brightness of his coming. Flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God. Alright, number eight. Oh, we're not getting too far. Are you enjoying this? Is this uh, clear to you? Okay. Number eight, because we're looking at Revelation 20 and the saints reigning with Christ a thousand years. The earth is cleansed of sin and sinners in preparation for the millennial kingdom. So the earth is cleansed of sin and sinners in preparation for the millennial kingdom. Just want you to turn over to just one, one passage on this. Put down Isaiah chapter 13, and I'd like you to look at it. Am I doing pretty good this morning? Yeah. Going nice and slow, because you're slow thinkers. <laughs> on Friday, the last day of the feast. <laughs> I know, I'm proud of you all, you've done such a good job this week. Okay, go to Isaiah chapter 13, and I have many, many scriptures on this, but uh, just to give an example. So, earth is to be cleansed of sin and sinners. Isaiah chapter 13, and uh, just pick up a few verses here. The burden of Babylon, which Isaiah the son of Amos did see. Now, we talked about Babylon yesterday, Revelation 17, 18, history of Babylon. Then, in verse 6, how ye... For the day of the Lord is at hand. What day? The day of His second coming. The day of His second coming. And also, the seventh day, the millennial day. Both are applicable. It shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. Well, when's all this going to be fulfilled? Was it fulfilled at the second coming? Has it been fulfilled? Doesn't sound like it. Therefore shall all hands be faint and every man's heart will melt. And they will be afraid. Pangs and sorrows shall take hold of them. They shall be in pain as a woman that travaileth. Uh, they shall be amazed at one another. Their faces shall be as flames, as red in the face. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, cruel, both in wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he will destroy the sinners thereof out of it. going to make an end of sin and sinners. He will destroy the sinners out of it. When? For the stars of heaven and the constellations shall not give their light. Wow, this sounds so much like Revelation that I've been looking at. The sun will be darkened in his going forth and the moon will not cause her light to shine. We've seen this already in Revelation. The sun, moon and stars affected. And I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. 
And the world is very evil in this period of time, as we saw yesterday. And the wicked, for, and I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease, and will lay the haughtiness of the lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. I will make a man more precious than fine gold, even a man than the golden wedge of Ophir. Therefore, I will shake the heavens, and the earth shall we move out of a place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger. And then go down to verse 19 in conjunction with what we looked at, Revelation 18. And Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldees' excellency, shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. And Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed by fire and brimstone. All brings you the second coming on. So when is this chapter in Isaiah 13 being fulfilled? It hasn't. Isaiah is looking to the second coming. Just as Isaiah gave so much on the first coming, he gives a lot of chapters on the second coming. Alright, so eight, earth is cleansed of sin and sinners, preparation for the kingdom. Alright, number nine, just a couple more and then we'll have to take a break. So number nine, Satan is cast into the bottomless pit at the beginning of the thousand years. So Satan is cast into the bottomless pit at the beginning of the thousand years. Let's turn over to Revelation 20. And which we just read before, but just uh, read it again. So Revelation chapter 20 and verse 1 and 2. Very clear. So Revelation 19, Christ has come. He's thrown the beast and the false prophet into the lake of fire. Satan is not cast into the lake of fire yet for whatever. I mean, God's reasons. I wish the Lord had a thrown the devil into hell right from the moment he sinned, don't you? <laughs> then we wouldn't have been in the mess that we are. Okay. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, led away, that old serpent led a B, which is the devil led a C, and Satan led a D, and bound him a thousand years. Now, I have, as, as I've told you before, we'll pick this up later, I have friends who are in the R Millennial School who believe Satan's bound now in a thousand years. So the biggest problem with that, listen carefully, because you have a little test coming up. And I feel so blessed to test you. <laughs> the biggest problem with that is, if Satan is bound now and the nations are not being deceived now, who's carrying on his work? So... Because there's more deception in the world now than ever before. And Paul, as I said yesterday, give it a little mind so you will be blessed in your test. Um, uh, all the warnings against deception. Every epistle, don't be deceived. It's writing to Pentecostal churches, if you please. Don't be deceived, don't be deceived. So if Satan is bound now and he's not deceiving the nations, then... My name is Mickey Mouse. How's <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. that now? <laughs> Alright. And he bound and so he bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up, put a seal on him, just as they put Jesus' body in the tomb and put the Roman seal on the tomb so nobody could touch it and steal the body. Here's the same. Truth here. Satan's put in the bottomless pit, the shaft into the earth, the abyss, seals put on him, that he should deceive the nations no more. So I find it very difficult to say, well, Satan was already bound when Jesus died on the cross, and that this uh, church age is the thousand, thousand years, and uh, Satan's not deceiving the nations. Okay, 
All right, so uh, number nine, Satan's cast and bottom split at the beginning of the thousand years. Revelation 21 to. Now, number 10, and then we'll take uh, a decent break. Number 10, saints are judged at the beamer seat of Christ and rewarded according to their works. So saints are judged at the beamer seat of Christ and rewarded according to their works. So before the kingdom is set up here and everything like that, which we'll pick up after our break, Saints must be judged at the Bemer Seat of Christ, B-E-M-A that is, not the great white throne judgment, but the Bemer Seat, the judgment seat of Christ, at the beginning of the thousand years in order to have the kingdom order. Alright, we'll, we'll finish that point number 10 after a decent break. How many of you have enjoyed this? Have you got something out of this? Yes. I have. I've enjoyed it. I just did this last night to bless my own little cotton salt. Alright. <laughs> Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books, and his ministry.